Kim, I have a niece who's obsessed with unicorns. What do you think of when you think of unicorns? <laughs> well, I'm thinking, you know, a multi-hued horse with a horn in the middle, but since we're in the middle of a busy city, I'm I'm thinking you're probably going a different direction, right, Natalie? Yeah, forget about that fantasy. <laughs> I'm talking about a company called Calm, a meditation app with some big goals. We're at their headquarters in San Francisco, and we're gonna hear all about Calm in this week's Commerce Connect. Hi. I'm Natalie Wires, along with Jason Nias from Digital River, an e-commerce company dedicated to helping brands go global and grow revenue. But this isn't about us. This is Commerce Connect, a podcast about people who are creating some of the best e-commerce experiences of our times. Listen on to hear from e-commerce visionaries as they look back on where they started, lessons they've learned that have gotten them to where they are today, and what they believe is the future of online shopping. I'm Kim Inslee on the corporate communications team with Digital River. I'm Natalie Wires, and we're here in San Francisco today at Calm Headquarters. They recently reached unicorn status, and they were Apple's iPhone app of the year in 2017. Joining us today is Sue Cho, head of Lifecycle Marketing at Calm. Hi, Sue. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Kim. Hello. So for those who are living under a rock and not familiar with Calm, why don't you tell us just a bit about what the, what the app is? Yeah, Calm is a sleep and meditation and relaxation app. We were given the number one uh, app of the year award a couple years back from Apple, which was very exciting. Uh, We're more than just a meditation app, though. Um, Our app also covers a wider range of sleep uh, to help people go to sleep. So we have these things called sleep stories where it's bedtime stories for adults narrated by some familiar voices like Matthew McConaughey. We have Ferris Bueller's teacher. Really? I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. Also, um, I'm sure folks here are familiar with GDPR. Remember that nightmare? Absolutely. We made a sleep story out of that. Oh, you did. Oh, we have some people at our office who would need to listen to that. Yeah. As long as it doesn't give you PTSD. (laughs) Right. I have downloaded the app. You have Helped me go to sleep. I am awesome. forever grateful for that. So Natalie mentioned it. You're head of life cycle marketing. So what is that exactly? Life cycle marketing. Uh, so I help carry the user along in their journey of their entire life cycle. And the way we look at that at Calm, we're a digital product uh, and we're a subscription product. So when a user comes in and downloads the app, the rest of the experience is kind of on the life cycle team. So it's my job to convert them or help them and guide them to convert them from a free download user to signing up for an account to then starting for a tr- starting a trial for their subscription and eventually converting annually over and over again. So you had a, a you know, you worked for a, a handful of different startups before you got to Calm, um, some names that people should be familiar with, the Honest Company, Dollar Shave Club. How? Just tell us a bit about the path that you took um, at those companies and, and what led you to your current role. If you asked college students, Sue, if I thought I would end up doing email marketing and loving it, I would have laughed at you. But here I am. I've been doing email marketing for close to 12 years now. And I'm still in love and still involved with it (laughs) as much as ever. Um, I kind of fell into it at my first company. It was called Spark Networks. It was an online dating company that ran websites such as Christian Mingle and JDate. And it was, they were looking for an entry level and I qualified. So there I was. (laughs) And then I fell in love four years later. (laughs) 
You are passionate about it, though. I was really struck when we, so we had a pre-interview you know, interview phone call, and you were talking about being respectful of these precious emails. Like, they mean something to you. And I thought, I they want her to do. have my email. She'll take care of my email. <laughs> you will not over-email me. Yes, exactly. I will not abuse the power that I have to get into your inbox. That is a privilege. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very passionate about what I do, and I never thought I would be, but... The deeper I got into the email world, the, the more I realized this is the perfect job. I can be technical because I have to work with engineers and understand how data works and, and how APIs work. Um, I have to be data-driven, right? I work for digital startups, which are all numbers-driven. Um, I have to be creative because I also have to be in charge of what the email is going to look like and what the best practices are and also how to best represent the brand given email best practices. Um, I also have to be a copywriter sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, it's all things and there's no way that I can ever be bored doing my job. Otherwise, it's kind of my fault. It's a good way to look at it. Definitely. Your passion comes across <laughs> talking to you. Um, so, so when customers get a subscription, they then are handed over to your team's care in order to continue to build value and continue to, you know, in encourage them to use Calm. How do you approach that relationship and, and really think about, you know, giving the customer what they want? I look at my role and what we do in Lifecycle and email as sort of being on the side of the consumer, of the user, of the member. A lot of times when I come into a company, they look at email as a channel, they meaning other people at the company that I'm coming into, they look at it as a channel to announce what we feel is important as a company. Hey, look at this cool thing that we did. Mm -hmm. Look at this announcement. Normally, that's not what users want, and I can help prove that with numbers and testing, which is exciting. Um, so I look at it as I'm a representative for the user, and I'm here to give the user what I think they want. And if they don't know what they want, I'm here to tell them what I think they should mm -hmm. want. Mm -hmm. And and then part of that is so people come to the to the app and they can use part of it for free. Obviously, you're a subscription-based business, so you want to convert them to the to the paid version of that. And that's always a tricky proposition, right? So what is your formula? How do you do that? And you've done it well. Like this company, it's a unicorn for many reasons. One of them is you're making money. Well, I think the first and foremost thing is our content. We have an amazing variety of content. Uh, we also have a solid testing culture. The reason we have certain things locked and unlocked in the app, there's always a reason for that. And it's a result of testing and optimizing for conversion. To convert users from free to converting to an annual subscription, we found that the best correlation is usage. The more people use and explore the app, the more they are likely to convert, which is cool for me because I don't have to keep bothering them about nonsense messages that they may not care about. What I have to do is my biggest challenge is to get them to do that first session. And once I get them to get do that first session, then I have something to nurture. I have that behavior to nurture. So I've been running some experiments lately on sending users down a general onboarding path where we tell them what we think is important, right? Hey, we think we you should start here. And then we think you should start exploring this thing after a couple of days. 
yeah, we can do that uh, based on best practices. But I think it's more effective and interesting if you nurture the behavior of the user that they're already uh, they're already doing. So if they complete a session, let's celebrate that. Let's confirm that they've completed a session. People always like to be congratulated. Mm -hmm. um, so we started sending receipts, as I call them, uh, confirmations that they've completed a session. And they didn't pay anything, but they learned some things. They learned some lessons that they might want to take away. So we then send an email with a recap of the lessons in that session. And to encourage them to continue doing the next, it's not just, hey, continue your day too. There needs to be more than that. We're trying to sell sleep and relaxation. We're trying to help people change their way of thinking and approaching life. So instead of saying continue day two, we say continue day two because this is what you're going to learn. Here are the lessons you're going to continue to learn. And that's kind of my vision for Calm. We haven't gotten there yet. We're still in the stages of testing, but that's where we're going towards, and that's what the numbers are showing. We've run some A-B tests, and it's converting users. It's increasing uh, the second day session completes. And soon I want to be testing, sending people down those different routes, a generic onboarding versus strictly behavioral. And a ton of personalization, it sounds like, yeah. which, you know, as a, a consumer, that's all I want is for a brand to talk directly to me. You know, I think of the Spotify year in review yes. and how much people, how excited and really you kind of wait for it. You know, they've been doing it a few years now. So you wait for it every year of what were the songs that I listened to the most? What were the genres? You know, Calm definitely could do similar types of recaps, which is cool. We've actually done Calm's yeah. year in review this past year and the year before. That's that awesome. was my objective my first year here. That's awesome. Is we're going to move toward this dynamic model and, you know, the Spotify year in review and everyone lit up. They got so excited. <laughs> I couldn't let them down. It was a far reach, but we did it that first year and then we optimized it this year and it was very beautiful. But yeah, um, but I always remind people, hey, this isn't something we should just do at the end of the year. Does it make sense for someone who subscribed two months ago in October? We're sending them a year in review in December. How about we do this personalized in their journey? Maybe they did 30 sessions in their first 30 days. Right. That's something to recap, isn't mm -hmm. it? Right. Yeah. So we've been you know, tossing around the idea of is it time-based? Is it number of sessions-based? Um, just toying with that. It could also be a really strong re-engagement tool as well. Hey, reflect on what you've done. Don't you want to continue this? Right, and this is how you helped us. You told us something else about numbers too, and that was um, the number of free sessions. So one would think, oh, well, if I give them 10 free sessions, they'll be so deep into it, they'll want to keep going. But you found out something different. No, the more we unlocked for free the less people converted. Time and time again, it hurt our conversions. So less things for free. It's a bit counterintuitive, but I suppose when people get used to getting things for free, then suddenly taking the step to pay seems... Also, I think it's a psychological thing where people don't really place the value on something that's free. I mean, there are a ton of free meditations out there. There are a ton of free apps where you can access mm -hmm. meditations. We also have soundscapes and nature scenes. Those are all free. You can get apps that are all free. But the power behind the things that we have is content. We have unique content. It's calm branded. I mean, who else has LeBron narrating about how he works on his mental fitness or having Matthew McConaughey read you a sleep story? 
you know, that that stuff. That is special. Yes, I will that's say. special. <laughs> yes, the LeBron is all the talk right now. Yes. Uh, how did that come come to be? Uh, I love talking about this because this was really truly an organic partnership. Um, we were surprised that LeBron just started tagging us on Instagram, talking about us and dropping our names in um, our name in interviews. And we all looked at each other like, who seeded this product for him? No one, no one, no one did it. His wife actually introduced him to Calm, and he was a user, and he loved our Rain on Leaves background and helped calm him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's been a big advocate of um, working on your mental fitness inside as well as physical fitness. So we were introduced to him, and he was really excited to do this content for us. So it just really happened organically. And he has a whole, like, it's a course, really, kind of, that you can take. And it's, yep. it's a lot of LeBron's thoughts. Yes, yes. It's a lot to do with his childhood, the way he approaches things, some of his challenges. And it's really great because to have someone of his position in society talk about how he handles emotions, how he handles, like, pregame pressure. How awesome is that? Um you know, men should be more vulnerable on that note, like that kind of thing. We're really, we're really championing for a wider audience to be more mindful. And I think that's awesome. But it's not just the male audience that we may equate to LeBron and sports and all of that. It's also the kids, the kids. We also have a partnership with LeBron's foundation. And um, basically, we're giving out uh, this package this calm package to students um and they're kids they're kids that are like five to seven and they're tweeting at us and sending us photos showing them you know lying down and taking a moment because king the king the king also does this too so one what amazing tools to learn at a young age it would set set them up for life to be able to be mentally strong and and understand how to build, you know, mental wellness. It's so important. If I could rebuild the elementary curriculum, it could pro- it, sh- it would probably be like calm courses. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, taxes, right? Mm-hmm. We taxes. all need to know how to do taxes and probably email marketing needs yeah. to be in there. <laughs> A little bit of email marketing. Yeah. 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 So um, the content obviously is one thing that keeps people coming back. Um, content is huge. So there are other things that cause people to churn as as well. You know, their credit card expires or something like that. A little less sexy than <laughs> than than a content related question. But in this issue of churn, you know, losing a customer is is not a great thing. Keeping them is isn't that like a less expensive thing than trying to get a new customer to keep that customer coming back? Absolutely, um, reengaging and. Reducing churn is is a huge initiative for Calm. We actually have awesome retention, which I'm grateful for, but we can always do better. Yeah. And involuntary churn is definitely something we're looking at as a low-hanging fruit that we can kind of optimize. Um, Credit card expirations are definitely a thing. Uh, We still have to get down to the data of it. We need the data to tell us, hey, this is what's going on. And right now we're sourcing, or not sourcing, we're sorting through that data to make sure that we have the specific error codes to understand what campaigns we need to kick off appropriately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are a global organization, right? Yes. 
And we were talking a little about the culture of that. I yeah. mean, there's compliance, there's taxes, there's so much. Stories in the right languages that people can relate to. Yeah, that's fun. And we're in a lot of different, very different countries. We're in Korea. We are going to be in Japan soon. We're in Portuguese. We're in Mexico. We're in France. We're in Germany. We're in a lot of different countries and cultures. Um, and our localization team is awesome, where they work with the local countries' agencies. So they help us understand cultural norms and also helps us find narrators that might be more well-known than what we would put in the U.S. Um, we also have to pull different types of content depending on where we're launching. Um, Germany, for example, didn't really resonate with sleep stories and maybe bedtime stories weren't as big of a childhood Thing as it was for here, um, but we found that they wanted more of a regimented educational course, so driving them more into our sequences and our collections of things, and, and really a, a life cycle journey would be the most important for the Germans who want that guidance and want to know, what do I do next? You've had a, a ton of success selling on Apple and Google's App Store. How do you think about the channel mix and and people purchasing from the app store versus driving them to your website to purchase from you directly? We definitely want a healthier mix and drive more people directly into our com website, even though we are an app. Uh, we get more control over users' data. We've had trouble in the past getting data of when people expire, when people cancel their auto renew, like all that data is owned by Apple and Android. And that's really difficult, especially when you have 60 million users, mm -hmm. it's difficult to get that data in real time. Um, so that's a big piece of it. But also they take a lot of our money. <laughs> and it's nice to have as much of that yeah, as possible, can I say right? That? Yeah, they take a lot <laughs> of, of our money. Of course you can. It's your podcast. So then, and we'd like to keep more of it. <laughs> well, how do you change the habit? Because people think app and they go to their, you know, whatever is on their phone. So how do you get them to go to the website instead? That's the beauty of lifecycle marketing and email marketing. There you go. Is I can point them to where I want them to go. And we can deep link them into the app, but I can also direct them to our website. And I can offer a sweeter deal because we take more of the profits. And are you able to, you know, since you have more data, as you said, if they buy directly from your website, then you're able to customize their experience that much more, right? So it kind of goes hand in hand with what you were talking about earlier of outlining a customized path yeah, for them. I think the important part is the data is more reliable is because it's under our control. It's in our back end and we're not reliant on this other source to hopefully send us the right thing that says the right stuff. So B2B is an area that, that a lot of companies are looking at, and Calm is too. How does that look for you? It's B2B is a different beast. Now we're going to have two separate verticals of the business, and B2B is going to be a complex engine, and we're going to have to start figuring this out. Um, because B2B goes all the way from healthcare to employers. So with healthcare providers, you know, the program that we sell and the way we message those users 
if at all, will be very different for employers. Um, for instance, the, just the other day, I met with our B2B team because they want Lifecycle's help in increasing employee utilization mm-hmm. for employers who have already purchased it. They have much higher utilization than we do. That's why I said, lucky you have those numbers. <laughs> um, but thinking about that is very different than activating a user that came from a display ad and just has our app downloaded. Um, so we're trying to not only think of how we relate it back to their work, but also how we should educate the HR department, how they should actually roll out the program. And Lifecycle is actually being involved there. Like, what's the package that they should hand out? So we're basically going to mimic our onboarding email series that we're actually redoing right now and turn that into like a PDF packet for employers to be able to hand out to roll out the program with. Um, Yeah, so B2B is going to be very interesting. We're still building out that function of the business, but we do know that it needs to be a part of healthcare and it should be a part of the employer's package. Um, It really benefits everyone because we have studies uh, on how much it benefits productivity and focus time and how important that is for the longevity and the happiness of your employees. I love that. Um, If I can go back to the globalization thing as well, going global, it's interesting to me how companies decide where they're going to go. So are there, how do you determine that? Which countries you're going to go into? Um, In this country, you know, there's a lot of talk and interest around meditation and sleep and things like that. And in other countries, it's been a part of the culture forever. Yep. So how do you determine where you think you can make a difference? I think our finance and our localization team does a really good job at understanding the market potential. And we also understand what audience is our target audience and who's going to convert the best and who contributes most to our dollars. And by country, we can see where we'll succeed the most based on those demographics and the available market. Um, But I can tell you Korea was because of our Samsung partnership. (laughs) Because Korea was tough. I don't think we would have chosen Korea. (laughs) And I'm Korean. (laughs) Well, you have a lot going on. Global expansion, B2B. What are you most excited about as you think about the future of life cycle marketing and customer experience? Honestly, I'm really just excited to be mixing meditation and mindfulness with my world of email and e-commerce. Never did I think those two things would come together at any point, yet here I am. So it's wild to think like, hey, I'm writing these emails that tell people how to live more mindfully. That's crazy. And The more testing I do, the more it looks like that's what people want from us. I used to be really against long emails because I come from e-com. You know, people just want to know what's for sale and how do I buy it. But after doing some testing and after seeing what works and what people respond to at Calm, people love to read our content. They want to know, should I relax this weekend? Like, really, I can put in a prompt that says, kick back this week. And they'll love it. They'll be like, okay, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> and it's it's nice to be sending things that people are happy to receive. Yeah. And 
that's what I'm, I'm just excited to do my job really. And to continue to do my job with all the different content that's coming out. Uh, this is the first company I've been at where people actually write in to complain that they didn't get the email. I send amazing to get. (laughs) I save all of them because I shed like a tiny happy tear every time that comes through um but you know in the past I'm used to getting angry unsubscribe me stop spamming me so many I've turned cold to that it doesn't even affect me anymore (laughs) and if you know what a sensitive person I am that's a big deal um but now to get people complaining that they're not getting it, that's amazing. Well, like, it's a lifestyle thing. It and is, they're yes. trying to improve themselves and yes. build these healthy habits. And, yes. and you're a part of that journey. And how incredible is it that that's a part of my job? That's what excites me the most. I feel compelled for our listeners to, can you describe the tattoo that, that you have? Because Sue loves email. <laughs> she loves this job. I have an email tattoo on the inside of my wrist. <laughs> and it's so cute. It's pretty cute. You wouldn't be able to tell that it's for email marketing unless I told you so. But once I tell you, it's pretty funny. But it really, like, my my interview, if you could call it that here at Comet, felt more like a cool conversation I was having with the co-founders. That was one of the first things they asked is, do you really have an email tattoo? <laughs> Your reputation preceded you. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it's it's a hit. I love it. So you are also part of Email Geeks. You lead it here in San Francisco. Is that right? Hashtag Email Geeks. That's right. What is this group of other email enthusiasts? Yeah, there's more of me out there, you guys. We're worldwide. It actually started in Europe, I believe. Um, but yeah, it, it started off as a Slack group and... Now different cities have different channels and we're a worldwide organization. It's funny because I come in at a dead period of the Slack group because most of them are on the other side of the world. So my 9 a.m., they're sleeping. So it's funny, like there are like different waves of activities on the channel, but there's everything from design to other companies mm-hmm. email oopsies oh. <laughs> so how did you so you're you are instrumental in this happening here in the Bay Area how did that happen because you're not I mean you'd think it was already happening that's what I thought the Silicon Valley vibe right I was surprised um I moved from LA to San Francisco three years ago it was the greatest move I ever made for my career <laughs> um but yeah I joined in on the San Francisco channel of Sla- of the Email Geeks Slack channel and found that no one was running our meetup. And Boston was having meetups. London was having meetups. I was like, what? And San Francisco doesn't have one? None. None in the Bay Area. So I just decided to host it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And we've hosted it at, what, Uber? Uber did a great presentation on how they do email builds at scale. We've had Pinterest. We've had Zillow. (laughs) Yeah, we've had a lot of cool speakers and a lot of cool hosts. And it's just a group of email geeks who all kind of love what we do and want to hang out with other people that love what we do. Well, I feel good here already. I mean, you walk into this, this, this space and there are green plants everywhere. (laughs) It's just beautiful. We're not just selling an app. We're selling an experience. Calm is an all experience, mental and physical. Um, 
and we actually hosted a party. You guys know that there's like healthcare conferences, JP mm-hmm. Morgan healthcare conference yeah. going on right now. Yeah. We actually hosted a party Monday night. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, for some of the healthcare providers. And we wanted to give them a taste of what the calm experience is like. It was beautiful here. Um, we had the LeBron room where it was all lit up blue and you can kind of chill and relax. We also had a mindfulness lounge with pretty chairs and plants and just a space where you can take a breather. And that's kind of what we're we're amping up our partnerships for B2B um, to be more than just, hey, selling subscriptions. Like we can come in and transform your space into something more mindful, somewhere where people will actually enjoy coming Come in more. every day and find little corners that they like to work in because it's under this tree. And that's how you get to be a part of people's lives, you know, yes. and that's why they stay with you. Yes. Right? Yes. We want to, you know what they say, people don't remember what you say or do, but they remember how they make, how you make them feel. Exactly. So calm, calm is, I mean, literally calm is a feeling, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. That we're all trying to find. Well, Sue, it has been a pleasure talking with you about mindfulness and meditation and email marketing. Uh, Thanks so much for sitting down with us today. Thank you. I'm going to go home and get calm. Next time on Commerce Connect, the world of faster payments. How we move money is changing. And right now, there's a battle over how that will happen and how it affects business. Our guest is Glenbrook Partners co-founder, Alan Weinberg an expert in how money moves in America and beyond. You've been listening to Commerce Connect, brought to you by Digital River and edited at Matriarch Digital Media in Minneapolis, Minnesota. To learn more, head to digitalriver.com.